Amen. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Praise and worship. Good morning, church. Good morning. Can we get a great clap offering for Jesus and our praise and worship team and their obedience to his call on their life to lead us in worshiping our almighty God. So I'm so blessed to be here this morning with you all. How are you all doing? Great, wonderful. Wade, thank you also for stepping up to the call to lead this morning. How about a good hand for Wade as well? Thank you. All right. So again, it's so wonderful to be here with you. Uh, if you look around you, you'll see that many of our congregational ohana are not here today. And it's because it's the summer and many of our family are traveling to visit family and friends. Um, but we also have a group, our children, the singing company from the Croc Center Hawaii. If you remember, we we're very excited to announce that they had won the local competition. And so they won the local competition here um, in the state of Hawaii and they earned the right to represent us uh, at the Western Division comp competition. And I am very proud and pleased to announce that they won. So they won it all. Yes, absolutely. That is so exciting. And so they are still up there. Of course, you cannot take a group of children that close to Disneyland in Anaheim and not actually take them to Disneyland. So they are there, uh, the vacation part of that trip, and enjoying themselves. Um, but I want to say a special mahalo, and I hope Freddie is here. Freddie, where are you? Don't go too far. But Freddie uh, was there, and as you know, he is the leader of that group. And he, right after the competition, and they won, and they celebrated. And then Freddie caught a flight back to be here with us this morning. And so we so appreciate Freddie. He's the kind of guy that works behind the scenes. He doesn't receive a lot of public recognition. But you see the impact of Freddie's leadership in the success of the praise and worship team, right? You all enjoy the praise and worship team? Absolutely. You see the impact of Freddie's leadership in the success of the community choir. And you all have heard our community choir before. And you see the success of Freddie's leadership um, in the success of the Children's Singing Company, who won the local competition and now the Western Division competition. God has blessed Freddie, yes. God has blessed Freddie with many amazing gifts and talents in the music arena, and we are just so thankful that he uses those gifts and those talents to bring glory to God. And on top of all of that, Freddie actually has a full-time job. So, could we get a round of appreciation for Freddie and his leadership? So, Freddie, where are you? Is he hiding? There he is. Yes. So, Freddie, thank you so much. Come here. <laughs> and I want to give you a hug. Freddie, stop hiding behind there. Just, you're wonderful. God bless. Yeah. Another round of applause for Freddie. Thank you so much. So quite fittingly, with our um, leadership team uh, traveling, that we have so many others who have stepped up to the call. And uh, quite fittingly, today's message is called The Call to Leadership. And so would you all just bow your heads in a short prayer with me before we get started, please. 
Father God, Lord, Father, so much going on, Father, and we just thank you so much for your faithfulness. We thank you for our precious children, Father, and the victory. We thank you for all the children who participated, Father God, and we know that they were so blessed, Father. So thank you for that time of fellowship and sharing and uh, music that just, we pray, brought glory to your name, Father, and touched your heart. And so today, Father, we just ask that you would speak to us, Heavenly Father. Your word says that it will go forward and not return void. Your word will accomplish what you set it out to accomplish. So we just say, have your way this morning, Father. We say that we love you, we honor you, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So we're talking about leadership this morning, and how many of you consider yourself to be a leader? Can I see a show of hands? Absolutely. And I'm hoping that you will all raise your hands because we are all leaders in one way or another. We are all leaders in some capacity. God has called each and every one of us to be a leader. You are a leader at work. Maybe you're a leader here at church, and you're definitely a leader in your home. You see, if you're a teacher, you lead students. If you're a coach, you lead your team. Just like you saw with Freddie, maybe here at church you lead a Bible study group, maybe you're an usher, maybe you're a greeter, maybe you sing or play an instrument up here, maybe you're in the kids' ministry, but there's so many opportunities to lead. If you're married, if you're a married man, you lead your household and your family. If you're a parent, you leave your children. The call to leadership is all over the place. And again, God places a mantle on each one of our shoulders, a mantle and an assignment on each of our lives that we would go forward, that we would step up and be a leader in whatever capacity he has called us. He's called us to make a difference, to make a difference in the life of that child that you lead, to make a difference in that person or team that you coach, to make a difference in the broken heart that might be in your Bible study group. God wants us to make a difference in the lives of your family that he has given to you to steward and to steward well. And maybe God has called you to be a leader in your, in your community, maybe even a leader in this state, a leader in our nation, even a global leader. There's no limit to what God might call you to as long as you're willing. I mean, the heaven knows that there are so many issues in this world that need a good leader to step up and make a difference. But the big question is, Whatever the capacity of leadership that God has called you to, will you answer the call? Think about it. What is the vision that God has placed in your heart? Your leadership is usually related to the burden that's in your heart. The question again is, will you step out of your comfort zone and do something about it? I want to share with you a story from the Bible. It's from the Old Testament. The book of Nehemiah. And let me set it up for you. So in the book of Nehemiah, chapter 1, verse 1, it's Nehemiah is a Jewish man, and he works in the palace for the Persian king, Artaxerxes. And Nehemiah has worked his way up the ranks. He is now the king's cupbearer. 
Nehemiah's responsibility is to drink from the king's cup before the king drinks. So that if the king's cup has been poisoned, Nehemiah will die first. That's probably not a position that many of us aspire to, be promoted to. But Nehemiah is a faithful worker to the king, and he's viewed very favorably by the king. So lately, Nehemiah has been thinking about his people back home. You know, I often think like that, right? Although I've been in Hawaii for a long time, I think about my motherland. I think about the people back home in Samoa, and I wonder how everything's going. For some of you, if you're from a different state or a different country, I'm sure you think like that as well. So that's Nehemiah's frame of mind right now as we begin reading in the book of Nehemiah, chapter 1. And it says, you can follow with me on the screen because this is the Amplified Bible. It says, the words of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah, in the month of Kislev in the 20th year, while I was in the citadel of Susa, Hanani, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. They said to me, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and distress, disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Then I said, Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant. Your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly towards you. We have not obeyed the commands, decrees, and laws you gave your servant Moses. Remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands, then even if your exiled people at our, at our the farthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to a place I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. They are your servants and your people whom you redeem by your great strength and your mighty hand. Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. I was a cupbearer to the king. So we see that in this passage, Nehemiah hears about a dilemma in the town of Jerusalem. The walls of Jerusalem have been torn down and he is concerned for his people. You see, the walls around Jerusalem provide protection. The walls provide security. They provide a barrier between the Israelites, his people, and an enemy attack. Guards are stationed up on the walls as a lookout. And the guards give a warning when they see something fishy out there or they see people coming close that don't belong there. 
The walls gave them time to prepare for battle, but the walls were torn down. What's interesting is that the walls were actually torn down by King Nebuchadnezzar like 120 years prior. But in all that time, nobody in Jerusalem stepped up and did anything about it. It seemed like everyone back home was waiting for the other person to do something. So God placed a burning desire, a burden in Nehemiah's heart. He placed a vision to restore the wall around Jerusalem in Nehemiah. So what did Nehemiah do? Well, verse 4 tells us that Nehemiah sought God. He mourned for his people. He fasted and he prayed fervently to God to help him. The short version of this story, because it's long and we can't read the whole thing up here, but the short version of the story is that God answers Nehemiah's prayer, that Nehemiah finds favor with King Artaxerxes. Not only does the king approve Nehemiah's time off to go home and rebuild the wall around Jerusalem and the city, but he gives provision and materials to rebuild the wall. Nehemiah even gets time off with pay, and his position is held for him to return working at the, at the palace when the project is completed. Now that is the favor of God. Not that rebuilding the wall was easy. Not at all. Because Nehemiah faced serious challenges that you would see when you read this chapter. Nehemiah's efforts were met with strong opposition. He had to post armed guards to protect his construction workers who were rebuilding that wall. There was constant criticism from neighboring governors who mocked him and tried to sabotage his efforts. He faced lies and plans to trap him and harm him as leader of this project. But Nehemiah never wavered. He never stopped praying for God to help him. He persevered on his knees. He battled on his knees in his quiet time that he always made despite his busyness to be with God. You see, it's amazing what one person can do. The ultimate outcome of this project is that Nehemiah got the job done in 52 days, what the whole of Jerusalem did not do in 120 years. Isn't that amazing? It's amazing what can happen when one person decides to answer the call to leadership. When one person, rather than ignoring the vision that God has placed in your heart because you're fearful, when one person, instead of doing that, seeks God's direction in earnest prayer, in fasting, and yes, oftentimes crying out to God on our knees because what he has called us to do just seems more than we can handle, too big than we can ever imagine. But when we say yes to God, he makes the impossible possible. When we say yes to God, he can move the mountains. And so, um, church, I want you to watch this eight-minute video. It's by Bill Hybels. Bill Hybels is the pastor of Willow Creek Church in Chicago. Um, if you remember 
last year or the year before, we all read a book called, um, a book by Bill Hybels, and it was Just Walk Across the Room, and it, we read it as a congregation, and we did some assignments with it. And so listen, if you will, to this eight-minute video by Bill Hybels about God's call on leaders. Amen. Deal, church? Right? Sometimes God places something in our heart, but it's so spooky. It's so scary to step out and do what he has called. But just like Pastor Bill Hybo said in the book of Joshua, God says, be strong and courageous, for I am with you. How many of you appreciate the Croc Center Hawaii? Yeah? Absolutely. Absolutely. You see, you are sitting in this beautiful Croc Center Worship Center because about a decade ago, God placed a vision in somebody's heart. I want you to listen to an article from the Salvation Army Frontier News about the Croc Center Hawaii. It goes like this. The process began just after Colonel, Colonel Dave Hudson, the Salvation Army Chief Secretary in the West, was appointed Hawaiian and Pacific Island Divisional Commander in mid-2004. A comprehensive request for proposal packet was went to every division in the U.S. as the first step in determining where the Croc Centers would be located. Colonel David Hudson said, I knew Hawaii was not on anyone's radar and that, would be a, and that it would be a lot of work. But I would have hated for someone to ask in 10 years why I didn't try. And so I decided that we would. Colonel Hudson called Phil Russell, a National Advisory Board member from Hawaii and president of GMR Real Estate Services, and the pair began visiting business people and politicians to ask for support. I knew we had to get the community involved and gather a strong group of people around the project, Hudson said. The priority was for us to getting the who in place. Hudson and Russell met with Don Horner, then CEO of the First Hawaiian Bank and chairman of the Hawaii Business Roundtable, a statewide public policy organization comprised of the CEOs and senior executives of companies headquartered or maintaining significant operations in Hawaii. They asked if Don Horner would be on, ta on task on the task force for the project, and Horner agreed. Retired Commissioner Joel Nolan, who was brought on to coordinate the application phase, later asked, if Horner, last asked Horner if he would spearhead the fundraising effort of $23 million. Horner said he would only do it if he could be assured that God would be the center of the project. Amen to that, right? That these men had a vision and a heart to do what God had called them to do. So here we are 10 years later, and I thank God that we don't have to ask these men why. Why they didn't apply to have a croc center in Hawaii. What if 10 years ago, Colonel Hudson thought about applying to have a croc center in Hawaii, but he was fearful and he killed the thought? What if he actually thought about it, and knew he had a vision, but he never spoke it to anyone? What if Colonel Hudson allowed his fear of the magnitude of this project and the cost that it would take to make the Croc Center Hawaii a reality 
to allow himself to kill that vision in silence. Like Pastor Bill Hybo said, what if Colonel Hudson secretly aborted the vision he had for Hawaii to have a croc center? Just imagine that. None of the following would have existed. We would not have the 13,000 members that we have here that are blessed day in and day out coming to the Croc Center. And for us, those 13,000 members represent low-hanging fruit that we have the opportunity to share Jesus Christ with them when they come to work out or do whatever they do here at the Croc Center. If Colonel Hudson never stepped out of his comfort zone to try and make that vision a reality as God spoke to him, there would not be 500 of us celebrating and worshiping God every Sunday in two services for the past going on five years. Hundreds of kids being blessed every week here at the day camp during the summer would not be. Kids honing their physical skills in our athletic programs and our music programs, in our art programs. Thousands of families enjoying quality time poolside with each other. Thousands of people working out, developing a healthier lifestyle. Celebrations of all kinds, lifetime memories being made here in our ballrooms. And Croc is not just here. Croc is all of you when you go out there and you share and you bless other people. The impact of the vision that was birthed in Colonel Hudson 10 years ago continues to transform lives today for Christ. Isn't that amazing, church? Isn't that amazing? Yes, you and I would not be sitting here this morning worshiping God in this beautiful sanctuary. And so I thank God for people, leaders like Colonel Hudson and like Major Phil and Major Debbie Lum, who didn't shy away from the lead, from that calling, from that vision that God has called them to. And so I want to call Freddie and the worship team up as I close our message out. And I want to say this to you, church. God, again, God has called you to be a leader in some capacity and I'm not saying that you need to champion a project as big as a $133 million croc center. But God is calling you to something. To make a difference in the lives of others. What is in your heart that you care so much about? That's probably where you are called to make a difference. Is it with children? We always need more help in the children's ministry. Are you Miss or Mr. Aloha? We always need more ushers and greeters. Remember that smile that welcomed you when you first come, came here. Be that smile for somebody else. Or if we missed you and there wasn't a smile to greet you, be that smile to fill that hole. And so church again, I want to say to you, be strong and courageous for God is with you. And I just want to give you some time to, to contemplate and just to sit and ask God, God, what is it? What is it that you want me to do? Be clear with that vision and, 
and to give you the courage to step out. So, if you'd like to pray in your seat or you need somebody to pray with you, maybe you just need God to give you some direction in your life. God, where is it that you want me to be? What is it that you want me to do? We always welcome you to come to the front and to pray. And our leaders would be more than happy to pray with you. So I'm going to let Freddie and the worship team sing their song. If you would just lift your heart unto Christ. Amen. So church, I'm just going to ask you one more time. How many of you consider yourselves to be leaders? Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Let me just pray over you. Father God, Lord, Father, we are so blessed and honored to be in your house, Father. We're so thankful, Heavenly Father, for those, Heavenly Father, you gave the vision, who stepped up and stepped out, Father, with courage that only you can bring. So, Lord, I thank you, Heavenly Father, for all these leaders in your house this morning, Father God. I thank you for the vision that you have imparted into their heart, Father God. And I just declare, Father, that they will be strong and courageous because you are with them, Father. So, Father, I just pray that we will bless you, Heavenly Father, with everything that you have given us to use to bring glory, to bring people into your kingdom and bring glory unto your name. Father, we love you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.